The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you so much for joining us today. Since the year of the horse kicked in on the new moon in Aquarius just uh, about 10 days ago, we really seem to be off to the races and galloping into this uh, new world in many, many multidimensional ways. And my guest today, Dave Markovitz, makes a welcome return to the show. Uh, he first came and spoke about his book, Healing with Source, and today he's going to be talking about his uh, second book, Self-Care for the Self-Aware. Um, but one of the key elements that Dave uh, brings to our awareness is the journey of the empath and how it's really, really important that, that all of you empaths out there who are natural-born healers have some uh, interesting awarenesses for you to, to have in terms of your own journey and some of the stuff that you are carrying that may actually not be yours. So, Dave, welcome back to the show. Thanks, thanks, Peter. It's great to be here. So, just give just give us a little bit of a, a review of that of that first book, which was a great book, Healing with Source, and 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 just an overview of it, uh, just for our listeners who didn't who didn't hear the first show that we did together. Okay, great. Um, well, Healing with Source was the end result of many many years of writing every idea that came to me down. Um, at one point, I remember seeing a quote by Picasso that said, a painting is never done, it just stops in interesting places. And I took that as a hint to stop writing and just <laughs> print the book. Um, and it was good that I did because there's so much in there. Um, it's a lot about mind-body medicine, but also the biggest point, I think, in it is um, really always looking to the cause of what you're dealing with. Like, And I think most of your listeners know this, but I really emphasize how much can be done when you're working at a root level versus anything other than that. Any level of superficiality compared to that level of depth is going to have different results than working at the deepest level. Now, you, now you are yourself a, a medical intuitive. Just, just explain to our listeners how that works for you when you're working with a client. Um. It's different for a lot of people. Um, sometimes I'll be able to read them and just know whatever needs to happen. And sometimes we need to have a little conversation. Um, but typically I can intuit the underlying cause of whatever they're dealing with. So even things like that are very physical, um, even a back pain or something more serious. Um, there's always an emotional element, spiritual, energetic el uh, elements to it. And, and I found that where you can get to that and work with that, 
in addition to the physical, I don't put down Western medicine at all. I think it's a beautiful thing, and I think everything should be used, you know, whatever it takes to get better and to learn and to grow and ascend. Um, so, you know, the sessions, there are consultation, things that I channel, things that I hear from source, and as well as uh, channeling really high vibration energy uh, to people, which seems to do a lot of really wonderful things for who's ever on the other end of the phone or across from me in the office. So, so when you're getting your sort of your in, intuitive insights, intuitive information, it comes from a variety of different um, sensory aspects of you. Yeah, somewhat. Um, it's you know Neil Donald Walsh called it a voiceless voice. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I don't, know any, I don't really know a better way to <laughs> to say it. The feeling, yeah. sensation, yeah. hearing, some weird combination thereof. <laughs> but fortunately, it's accurate. You know, good ninety eight, ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> so that piece, I, I know for those people who are beginning their awakening journey, that that piece of discernment is, to, is this really from source or is this my ego if it's not if you're 98 percent, that's pretty high so how did you get beyond that that uh, that challenge that comes to us i never said i was beyond that <laughs> <laughs> well 98 percent is pretty good <laughs> um you know it really came with the years of really getting and reminding myself that i'm an end result of everyone else's conditioning and that's not a bad thing but the truer levels of reality come from connecting with source. And that's just my personal belief based on my experience. And I found when I can tap into that, you know, it knows a lot more than I do. So when I can tap into that and come from that place and really check in with my heart, and I can feel a difference in my body sometimes. Sometimes I can, you know, just feel my heart expand. I can feel the other person's heart expand. And usually in some kind of beautiful resonance, just with something like one sentence that can come through me. So when things like that happen, or if I can relate into it, something that you know Dave would have no way of knowing, you know, then I can be pretty sure it's something else <laughs> coming through. And, and how do you actually go into that process of tapping into source in the first place? How do you make the connection? Uh, initially, it was through muscle testing um, years back, and um, what I, then it became easy to do in my head. I would actually visualize an arm or the finger test. And then it just became a feeling, a sensation. I think as my vibration r- rose, um, so did my abilities. Um, but I still do muscle testing in my head just to make sure I'm hearing things correctly. <laughs> that muscle testing thing is interesting, isn't it? Because when I do muscle testing now, most of the time, I know the results of the muscle testing before I do the muscle testing. Because you say it's an intuitive feeling inside, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the thing I learned to be really careful of is my thoughts of what I think that Dave part of me thinks is going to happen, what's going to test X or Y way, um, that has to leave. If I'm not open and if a person's not open, um, it's going to be really skewered based on what we want it to be. And this goes back down to like, you know, quantum physics where our physical reality is, is altered by our thoughts and Einstein was showing in experiments that his thoughts affected the outcome of experiments. So I saw that and read that and really realized how much I got to get out of the way. And fortunately, I've gotten pretty good at that. So I'm just going to put a quick plug in there, Dave, because next week on the show, I've got uh, Dr. Amit Goswami on. Mm-hmm. And he has written a book called Quantum Creativity, which is about to come out. But the whole of this show will be about exactly what you just talked about is the quantum aspects of our existence which we have a huge impact upon the actual outcome based upon our thoughts and feelings so i'm really looking forward to having him on after you today it's perfect 
Which I'll explain it. He'll explain it much better than I. Well, and, uh, and with it, a more uh, with a better accent. As well. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. Hope I can understand him. But he'll be coming from <laughs> the quantum physics perspective as opposed to the intuitive uh, medical aspect that you come from. Now, in Healing with Source, you also offered a symbol and you also put with that um, some sounds and music, I believe. Uh, yeah. And so just tell us about that symbol and why you felt that was so important for your readers to see in the book. Well, as I was writing the book, I knew I wanted to incorporate more senses whatever was possible. Now, if I could have made a scratch and sniff book, <laughs> I would have done that. But it turns out uh, I was able to um, work with a sound healer and Grammy award-winning producer, Barry Goldstein. And we created a small oh, yes, uh, MP3 yeah. that was downloadable. The link for that is in the book. And that actually has um, me. I went into a studio and I read um, what I would consider the summary of many of the chapters and then we mixed that subliminally under Barry's music. Oh. And so that's in there too. But the symbol was really interesting. Um, I remember <clears throat> I kind of got this message from what seemed to be dolphin energy, which is not my typical thing, but, you know, whatever shows up is whatever shows up. And um, I heard pretty clearly that someone would, would be making a symbol, similar to a Reiki symbol, that I could use in the book that – um, would allow people to channel similar vibration to what I was allowing to come through me. And and I just knew it had to be my friend Janet Christenfeld. She's an artist in New York. And I called her and told her about this message I got. And she said, oh, so you're the one I've been drawing this for. Ah, oh, brilliant. And, yeah, it was pretty cool. And she said she could barely finish it because the energy coming through it was so powerful. She would do a tiny bit and then have to go back to it the next day. So eventually it was done and she graced us to um, to allow that to be used on the cover. And also what's really cool in the back of the book, there's a little cutout of that symbol. And I've heard a lot of people get great results just by using that. And the the, the more detailed instructions on how to use it are in the end of the book. So it's pretty cool. I like the idea of um, incorporating more senses. Yeah, then, and that seems to be what's happening. And certainly, from my awareness, is this multi-dimensional, multi-sensory approach, multi-dimensionality expands when you can use a variety of senses in 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 one moment. Yeah, and, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, some would say we're light, some would say we are made of sound. I mean, I don't know the difference really when you break it down, but whatever words float your boat are great for me. But you know, you know, you feel differently when you listen to certain types of music, and everyone knows that. And Barry talks about this a lot in his lectures, Barry Goldstein, um, where he says everyone has that one song that just can get him out of a funk. And he says for him it's Michael Jackson or Jackson Five actually. <laughs> so if that comes on, whatever kind of funk he's in, he gets up and starts dancing. And yeah, you know, yeah. so likewise, you know, different things, low frequencies can have effect. You know, there's toning. I know when I tone, I go in an instant meditative state. That is awesome stuff, toning. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with you. As many senses as possible. So that was uh, Healing with Source, and that book obviously is still available, and we'll talk about Dave's uh, website later on in the show. So tell us what happened after that, which led you to write this second book, Self-Care for the Self-Aware. Well, that book was really good, and I'm really proud of it. Um, it has a lot of really great information in there. A lot of people, really intelligent people, have told me they only read a couple of pages or even one page at a time because there's so much in there. It really is jam-packed. And yet, still, I knew there was something else. And um, 
it was interesting because I had been I started hearing from a bunch of other people that I was empathic, and I just figured, no, 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 that's that's a little too woo woo for me. I don't want to I don't want to know about <laughs> that. And then um, next thing you know, I my kind of aha moment around empathy was going to a, a friend of a friend's birthday party with seven bars in seven hours, and I don't drink alcohol, and I haven't in a long time. And I don't judge you if anyone, anyone does. It's fine. Whatever works for you. But at the end of the night, I was drunk having drank only water. And I knew in that moment I was an empath. <laughs> wow. So you actually had the physical symptoms of being drunk? Yeah. Was it like slurred speech and staggering around? Yeah. I got out, oh. I got out and I tried to hail a taxi and you know, out of my mouth came. <laughs> so you are what they call a cheap drunk then? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> So how did, how did you feel about that? That must have been a remarkable experience. It was interesting. Um, but what was cool, even in the so-called drunken stupor, I had the clarity of knowing this was for a reason. And then I started getting a lot of clients, not even a lot, but like pretty much every client that came to me after that was empathic. I say, oh, I, I can see where this is going. <laughs> so I started getting a lot of messages to help the empathic people like myself and probably, you know, some say up to 20% of, of this country who knows if that's accurate, but a lot. Certainly in my reality, it's almost everybody. Um, so I got all these really amazing tools and tips on how to help people deal with their empathic skills. And I think the biggest aha moment was that was realizing that a lot of aches and pains that people were trying to um, eliminate, minimize, and heal were actually not there as an origin. So their empathic abilities created this kind of like a sponge-like existence where they took on energy from other people. That blew the doors open to this whole process coming through me. And by the time it was, by the time, it was um, time to write the book, it was practically written already because I'd, I'd done these, uh, all those steps already with all those clients. So when you say 20% of the population, and as you say, uh, of, of our listeners listening today and all the people that you work with, it's a way higher percentage than that of people that we're talking about. Probably 95, 96. Yeah, exactly. Back up to 98%. So we'll take, we'll take our first break here with Dave Markovitz, and when we return, we'll get Dave to explain a little bit uh, or describe some of the gifts and qualities and challenges of the empath, and I'm sure many of you will recognize yourselves when you hear what he has to say. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? 
Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co Creation with your host. Peter Tung, thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, and all of the information there on the website, including our regular monthly newsletters, our Landscape Zodiac work, and also all of the radio shows which are listed there chronologically and also alphabetically. Uh, and also a reminder uh, for the opportunity to go to my events page and the live meditations that we are hosting each week uh, on a Thursday morning at 11.30 Pacific and you, you can listen live or you can uh, obtain an MP3 recording of the live meditations within a couple of days after the meditation has taken place. And actually, this week, it very much aligned with uh, Dave's work. I'm doing a, uh, a healing meditation for Valentine's where we're looking at the loving vibration of romantic love, of love of the family and friends, and love of service to the global community. And, and rather like Dave uh, in, in his work, getting a balance between those aspects of our lives and that loving vibration uh, of, of how all this fits together. So that will be our meditation tomorrow morning, actually, 11.30. So I have Dave Markowitz with me today, returning after his first show with me a while ago when we talked about his first book, Healing with Source. And today we're now talking about his uh, latest book, Self-Care for the Self-Aware. And Dave, before the break, I was encouraging you to begin this segment by actually describing the empath and and, and aspects of them uh, that, that people need to be aware of and look out for. So so tell us about the empaths. There's, there's many characteristics. Um, I think overall, if you're really sensitive, if someone ever said to you, you're too sensitive, you're probably empathic. Uh, if you're pretty intuitive, you're likely empathic. Um, what I've seen, and this is you know, based on who's ever coming to me, is that most people have some degree, if not a lot of degree of abilities that would be called empathic. And basically, it's ability, an ability to feel and really get what other people are going through, which I think can be really wonderful. There is a, a definite beauty, because I think if you can feel what other people are going through, you can have more compassion for them. And I think that's the highest vibration there is. So compassion, unconditional love, acceptance, I, I group them all together. Um, 
Whereas with the negative side of being empathic is actually taking on pains and illnesses of other people. So you take it in and you keep it. And some of us get a lot of um, egoic satisfaction from that or even subconscious satisfaction from that. Um, that's what I pretty much uh, help people work through. But typically, um, you know, if you walk into a room and you know where to go, who to speak to, who not to speak to, you're probably empathic. Um, if certain foods, if you're really sensitive to a lot of foods, um, I think there's a degree of empathy. Allergies can also be an obvious um, clue. Um, some people just really have uh, very high sensitivity to other situations, to people, to food, to medications. I found empaths typically can't take medications that their doctor recommends or even over-the-counter because they're so sensitive. And I remind them, you know, if a box says, you know, Tylenol says take two, you can probably take one or even less and get what's needed without getting on overload because you're so sensitive. Um, you know, obviously, if it's something, you know, prescription, I tell them to tell the doctor about this. But, you know, over-the-counter stuff and, um, you know, it's just that real sensitive being. I think the sensitives are beautiful. I think the sensitives are going to heal and are healing so much. But there's the dark side of it, the negative side, which is where we take on and actually keep and absorb the negative energy, vibrations, fear, anger, grief of other people. Um, and what I found is if you're holding other people's energy, no matter what you do, unless you do specific steps that I've intuited and, you know, I'm sure other people have other ideas and whatever works for you is great. But if you treat it and address the symptoms as if they are yours and they're not, you're never going to get to the root. That, no, I think to me that that's the key piece that, that you have expressed in the book and in your work is that uh, traditional medical systems or even alternative systems don't work if, in fact, it's not your stuff that that, that you're carrying or, or that you're right. you're reflecting out in your in your own world. So, so yeah. what? Tell us about that. What? What? Why? Why is that? Why is it that that a, tr a traditional treatment or another treatment doesn't work if it's someone else's stuff? Okay. Um, I just want to put a little addendum on those words if, before I answer the question. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, typically, they do work, but they work temporarily. Okay. So it does appear to be doing some benefits sometimes. Uh, I'm going to even say close to most of the time, but not always. Um, but if you ha keep having to go back to your practitioner, you know, something's missing. That's the way I look at it, at least. And that missing piece is typically, at least what I've found, is energy that's not that person's. So it's sort of like, you know, using a one type of screwdriver for, a you know, Phillips versus flathead, using one for the other. You know, they require different tools. It's like using maybe a better analogy is using a, a screwdriver where a hammer would be better. It's directly related that if you have something that's not yours, you have to deal with it as, as it is, as opposed to pretending or not knowing or, or hoping for other things to work. So I think most of your listeners will probably get that because it really is pretty direct, I think. Um, and do, and I typically, you know, on my intake form, people will write, you know, they'll have a couple of symptoms, a couple of diagnoses, and not that I treat, quote-unquote, diagnoses, quote-unquote, but I do address symptoms of pain and illness. Um, and most of the time, uh, they'll write what they've done with for that, and most of the time, they will write temporary results but nothing permanent. 
So this is not a coincidence. <laughs> you know, it's happened over and over and over with thousands of people. So, Dave, one of the things that, that I've, I've come across in the work that I do is, is working with people with uh, terminal illness, often cancer. And what I've, what I found in, again, in the people that I've worked with, typically they're really nice, gentle, loving people mm-hmm. who feel this enormous sense of responsibility for yeah. themselves, for the family and for the world, actually. Yeah. And so you get these people in these critically ill conditions. And again, at some point realize that it's not theirs actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do in that moment with someone who's critically ill? Well, you know, the, the, through the processes that come to me and that are described in the book, and, you know, we really take it moment by moment. Um, there's no blanket, you know, got to do this, no cookbook kind of system. Um, so, you know, typically I will intuit sometimes how much of what they're dealing with is theirs versus not theirs. I also take people through a, a system called a body scan which is where I help them actually see what's there. So I think it's even more powerful than me just saying what's there or what I see. I take them through a process where they can begin to see what's theirs and what's not, what not theirs. And that gives us so many aha moments. You know, if someone can see, no matter what their degree of illness, whether it's, you know, a hangnail or a tumor, if you can really see in within yourself where that comes from, I think there's tremendous power in that. And we work from there, and pretty much I let their body, or I hear it intuitively, you know, guide the session. Um, you know, I get, you know, so I, I, you know, I don't even use that word. You know, I don't use the C word. Um, it has a very heavy, low density vibration. And as I explained in the first book, as soon as you give into that kind of reality, you then tap into everything that goes with it. I'll just give you an example of someone I worked with a couple of years ago. She was almost 70. She was a very successful educator, wrote a couple of books, lived a good, and decided to retire early and live the good life. So she bought a house on the water, a Lexus convertible, put her feet up, and she comes to me with breast cancer. And she worked with me and a few other people. Um, she changed her diet. We changed her outlook. It turned out that she had more work to do in the world, and I kind of showed her gently that this will be a very beneficial thing to get back into the world. And she said, well, I don't know. What am I going to teach? I don't want to do the same thing again. I said, let's just get you better and let the universe fill in the answers. And a year later, maybe a year and a half, I actually watched her give a lecture on how to get rid of breast cancer. Uh-huh. So the universe filled in all the blanks for her. All she had to do was open up and, and let it happen. And teach in a different way. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. with real passion. Now, you mentioned earlier um, that these layers or levels of depth. And I, again, I've worked with people who say, you know, something comes up and I thought I dealt with that. And, and mm. there's another layer or, or a deeper level for them to go. Yeah. The old, I thought I dealt with that trick. <laughs> <laughs> Second time I fell for it this week. Um, <laughs> those who remember the show, Get Smart, will get the reference. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's a process, you know, people think healing is an event and on a rare occasion a spontaneous remission it might be, but typically it's a process and, you know, there's always more work to do. I mean, granted you can heal certain things, but to think that one day you're going to be done or to have that as a goal, I think is an invitation to disappointment. It, it definitely takes you out of the moment too, but um, yeah, it's just, 
<laughs> also put it. Um, yeah, I'd oh, say you're, nev- you're never done. Yeah, you're never done. <laughs> now, you, you, once you accepted that you were yourself an empath and you're yeah. doing this work and you're helping people and supporting people in your, in your work daily, so how do you make sure that you don't fall into the trap of your book? <laughs> <laughs> It's a brilliant question. Um, I do the best I can, <laughs> you know. And I, you know, I, I admit as much humility in this as possible. You know, the steps in my book are really powerful, um, and a lot of people get great results using them. And not everyone can do them, and it's not an indication of, you know, intelligence or lack thereof or anything like that. But we all have built-in resistance to to some to something different, to changing a way of being. So I fortunately have wonderful people in my life that can hold me to my new state of being. And I actually ask people to hold the space for me just like I do for them. And I tell them, you know, read that step right there and then <laughs> do it for me because it's just more powerful. You know, as the phrase goes, wherever two or more are gathered, um, the energy increases exponentially. It's so amazing what can happen when you're working with a guide, you know, kind of like a personal trainer, you know, you're used to doing you're supposed to do three sets and 10 repetitions each. And, you know, the last set, you're on number five, six, and you're struggling. And you're like, nah, never mind. That's okay. Personal trainer pushes you through that. So I help people um, push through that. I'm kind of their personal trainer for the spiritual, emotional, and <laughs> energetic growth. That and then exp- they do it for me. <laughs> that expression um, uh, you just use, I want to come back to when we come back after this break. But you use the expression holding space for, and I want to come back to that because to me, it's one of the most important and uh, highest service things we can do on behalf of others uh, and have others do for us. So let's talk about that when we come back. Beautiful. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven spirit guides and angels to learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution tune into spiritual enlightenment advancing one's wisdom every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern on the voice america seventh wave channel do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life come and join our heart-centered community with peter tongue and sherry chase Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. I just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows, Shari Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company of beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada, and also uh, my support team at Voice America, Brandy Jackson, my producer, and Matt, who is our regular Wednesday noon engineer. Uh, to thank them for providing the opportunity for me to bring such great guests to you, the listeners, so that you can benefit from their expertise. And I, I've just had my January uh, listenership results come in, and, and it's just uh, incredibly um, heartwarming for me to know that every single state in the United States have listeners to this show, uh, completely across the provinces of Canada, and very significant listenerships around the globe in over 30 different countries. And so uh, I, I'm just delighted to know that uh, the show is making a difference in people's lives literally across the globe. Yeah. Wow. I have with me today Dave Markowitz, who makes a welcome return to the show. And we're talking today about his book, Self-Care for the Self-Aware. And just before the break, Dave, you were talking about uh, or the, the the analogy of this personal trainer and, and holding space uh, for your clients and also people holding space for you. So just just talk about what holding space actually means to you for the people you work with and for yourself. Right, great question. Um, when I first heard the phrase, I really didn't get it, and it probably took me a long time, maybe a couple of years, to really get it. It's not something that could be explained to me. For whatever reason, maybe I just didn't want to hear it at the time. I don't know. But, but now I get it, and I get how important it is, and I get the value of it, and I get what makes it so special. And what actually creates the healing is, you know, if I'm working with someone, no matter what they're dealing with, if I'm looking at them through the eyes of judgment or my own need or anything personal from Dave's perspective, nothing happens or very little happens, or it happens briefly and then doesn't really a lot long term when I get into a place in my heart and I look at that person as perfect whole and complete and just maybe slightly misaligned and needs a little bit of adjusting to get back in alignment you know when you go to a doctor and this is nothing against doctors but typically they're trained to look at your body like a car like what's wrong and how do I fix it and I get that and that's okay, but I think what really is more powerful is to look at someone as whole and complete. And looking at them through, you know, uh, the phrase, you know, through the eyes of God. You know, unconditional love, acceptance. When I don't need something from them, a different vibration is formed. Um, and I do share with people, like, I don't do this. I, I don't do this for the money. I do this because this is what I have to do now. This is what I've been guided and instructed <laughs> to do. Um, because if I'm coming from a place of I need money or something like that, it just doesn't work powerfully. But I get all that stuff out of the way and I hold the space of unconditional love. I look at them the best I can. I think the best um, 
model of that, I think, living is the Dalai Lama. I think if you're in the room with the guy, you feel love. And you feel he's not judging you. You feel he's a master at compassion. And I believe, I haven't spent time in the same room with him, but even just watching videos, I get the power of what that does. And you know this, you're a practitioner as well. You know, if you're looking at someone through your own need, you know, it's it's just just not nearly as powerful. So that's why you and I, we were just talking on the break, we do our own work to get into the place of being able to hold a high vibrational space for really radical transformation. And sometimes it happens really quickly. Um, and of course, depending on what they're dealing with, and the other person has to be open to receive it. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable. Um, and yet, by going through that discomfort, on the other side is such beauty and such power and such magnificence. And when I see someone through that, then I'm holding space. That's a really, really good expression. Thanks for, thanks for doing that. And also, if you could just clarify, because you've talked about both separately uh, on the show today, but just talk a bit about the difference between compassion and empathy. Mm, yeah, super important. Um, empathy is feeling and then taking on other people's energy. Compassion is more like the holding space. Like, I don't... I do my best. <laughs> I don't take on the energy of other people. To do so doesn't help me, and it doesn't help them, in, because it would be enabling in some ways. So it's a it's a huge difference. And you know when you can feel it. You know when you you talk to someone, whether it's a practitioner or just a friend, if they're coming from their own need, there's some something doesn't feel right, and that's okay. It's just where they're at, and that's beautiful because they're probably not going to be there forever. <laughs> um, but compassion is really holding that high vibration, holding that space, seeing them as in the process of magnificence. And uh, I think people can feel that. And if I don't take it on, then I'm really helping them and me. If I'm empathic or overly empathic or untrained empathic, then I'm going to take it and keep it. And that doesn't really serve anybody. So, so why is it that the, that the empathic people have this tendency to, to have this sense of over-responsibility? Mm -hmm. okay. What I um, saw, intuited, heard in meditations, etc., was that we all learn different levels of responsibility when we're young. An example that I was shown was you know, even a baby who's crying learns that their cries create something different in the room than when they're giggling or when they're kind of neutral. So everything they do creates some kind of reaction from other people. So if they're crying, maybe my mom will say, oh, you know, what's the matter? Here's some food, here, whatever. Um, we learn really early on that, and then we take that into like the next context and we kind of assume this place of responsibility. I'm responsible for my mother's feelings. I'm responsible for this person or that person. And it starts really young. And... Um, it, it can develop, you know, if, if not caught in time, it can develop. And as you mentioned earlier, you work with people, and so do I, of don't just feel responsible for themselves, but for their partners, for their children, for their parents. Some do it for a specific group, and uh, ethnic, cultural, familial, uh, national, and some carry the energy of the world on their shoulders. And you can see them a mile away. And I'm not saying that because they're overweight, although they often are, but the, the weight on the shoulders, the downward sloping um, posture, the energy of carrying so much responsibility will ha 
has to weigh you down. In fact, everyone I've worked with that's been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome is exactly that. They're carrying so much energy of other people. And I worked with one woman who was dealing with that for 10 years, had no success, medications, exercise, whatever. Um, Some days couldn't get out of bed. And she said she felt a major shift in just four days using the steps that I showed her about how to not feel responsible for other people. So that's, it's huge. It's a huge concept of responsibility. And I think we all learn it and then embody it in different degrees. And some do really well with it and some, you know, just take on too much. And that's, you know, that's the beginning of the, the problem, I think. And what is, and what is the greatest fear that people have in, in giving giving the the responsibility back to the person who should own it what, what's the the challenge that people have to get over to give it back uh, there's a few but you know often it's you know the fear of what will happen like if I'm not carrying blank person's um, grief what are they going to do they're already you know dealing with depression or whatever you know what's going to happen then so it's kind of like the sense of like I have to do this or else this is going to X is going to happen and what I've seen is, you know, learning to prevent the being a sponge is super important. The first half of the book is about that. The second half is more about ret- returning what's actually theirs. And the resistance to that I see it comes up, and it's the fear of what's going to happen to the other person. Another fear is what's going to happen to that person. So if you're, let's say, Peter's my client, Peter might have a fear. What's going to happen to me if I give back the grief to? his mother, for example, like, who will I be without that? So it was a really powerful draw. The ego likes to be identified with being the healer. And it's a beautiful thing. But to mix that with responsibility, that's where the downward spiral starts. Now, uh, traditionally, when when people talk about an empath um, and and being an empathetic person, one of the ways in which people are uh, advised to deal with it is to set boundaries and create some sort of wall of protection. Uh, What's your view on that one? Um, Similar to other things we mentioned prior, the end result is it's good but not great. And I want great. The people I work with want great. It's good because it works, but it works temporarily. So if you're in a huge environment, so I went to a Seattle Seahawks game a couple months back. There's like 80,000 people <laughs> there, you know, a lot of energy. So I, it was wise to put up the wall in that moment. Um, but other times, it's the opposite is actually really powerful. So, um, you know, putting up a wall, again, it, it's good and it's temporary, but if you the result of temporary, but the negative results of that are typically much worse than, than normal. In other words, so if you're putting up a wall, you don't want to feel, let's just say, Mary's anger. Um, that would be a logical thing to do in that moment. But if you don't take down that wall and you're not working with it superconsciously, the wall stays up and you stop feeling, you stop taking in and inviting all the gifts of the universe. So you know, Brene Brown pointed out you can't selectively choose what energy, emotion, et cetera, to take in. You're either open or you're closed. You're taking it all and working with it consciously or you're, or you're closing. So I work with a lot of people that are not just ill but are trying to find the right purpose, are feeling very stuck, stagnant in their life direction, in their relationships also. Um, and I can see clearly that they put up this wall. 
So I'm like, how can you really get the gifts that are coming your way if you have a wall? You know, I believe Source is always trying to give us what we need, is always trying to heal us. I believe it is a healing force. And if we have a wall up and we're blocking all those you know, things that we don't want, we're also blocking the things that we do want. So it's it's a pretty, you know, when I saw that in the meditations, it really opened up a whole new world for me. And likewise for my clients too, because I teach them how to open up safely. And then they start receiving, you know, abundance and, you know, right livelihood and, you know, messages come through. Sometimes I'll just hold space for them and they'll hear something. Their intuition will increase um, by taking the wall down. So a lot of good can happen, but you have to be able to work with it consciously. So you don't you, when you're when you're open, you're not taking on everyone else's negative vibrations. So finding this balance between being empathetic and compassionate, being empathetic enough to tune into what it is, but then not taking it on, on yourself and opening up to unconditional love to show the necessary compassion to really what you're doing is holding space to support them healing themselves. Beautifully put. In fact, when I do the second write, rewrite of the book, I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, feel free. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll quote you. Don't worry. <laughs> well, Dave, we're coming up to our final break, which we'll take now. It's uh, Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. How can you make holistic health care work for you? When you are in search of wholeness, it's time to listen to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with host Renee David Alkali. Here you will find cutting-edge information that approaches the human being as a biochemical, individual, whole person, rather than as a set of isolated symptoms. Learn how it all comes together on Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life, live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Dave Markowitz, whose latest book, Self-Care, 
for the self-aware we've been discussing today. So Dave, let our listeners know how they can connect with you and get the both books actually, Healing with Source, Self-Care for the Self-Aware, and anything else that you've got going on in terms of events and so on. Sure, thanks. Um, most information you can find on my website. It's uh, www.davemarkowitz.com, D-A-V-E-M-A-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z.com. Or for a reason you can't get that, just put in Dave Markowitz Intuitive. Uh, I've been number one on Google for a long time, so it's pretty easy to find. Um, in upcoming events, I'll be in Seattle in early March. I'll be in Las Vegas in late, later this month, actually, um, 23rd. And New York also in March, late March. And and of course, Portland, which is where I live. So those are the main cities that I go to pretty regularly. Um, so if you're in that area and you want to check out what's going on, uh, all the private sessions right now are big, booked up in, um, in those cities, but there's uh, a group events that you can probably get into. So check it out on the, on the uh, website, www.davemarkowitz.com. Uh, phone is 503-299-4788. And email is info at davemarkowitz.com. Great. Thank you. And the books are available from the website? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There'll be links um, on there to get either one uh, right. on Amazon or on Balboa. So having, having completed Self-Care for the Self-Aware and published that, uh, inevitably, I'm sure things have happened since then that you wish you had put in the book or realizations came forward. So could you tell us about any of those? Nope. Nope, not at all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, one, one thing that I, I noticed, and c- to me it was kind of a given while I was writing it, so I didn't make it super clear, but before you do the exercise, it's really important to center and connect with your version of divinity, connect with your heart space. Uh, I probably could have been slightly more specific with that, so that would be one edit I would make. And what was the other thing? I remember you knew you remembered it more than me. <laughs> well, I think it was about the concern of giving back to someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Okay. So in the book and in my sessions, we do an exercise called Return to Sender, where we give energy back to people. And as you mentioned before, you know, there is some resistance to that. And one of the things that I think is really important is you're not specifically giving back, and I'll just use a random example, you're not giving back necessarily a symptom to the person. So let's say you have a muscle tightness, diagnosis, whatever it is, it's a muscle tightness, that's the bottom line. And you you, you know, you don't want to give that back to someone. Um, what you, it's important to remember, you're giving back energy, not symptoms. And they're going to do with that what they need to, and you don't need to worry about it. But through the process that I do, you can actually see it happening and watch it happen. So you can, you can actually watch the other person um, be affected by it, you know, in, in the mind's eye. It's pretty powerful um, processes. Um, so, you know, but th- there's enough in there to get you started. <laughs> and, and, gener- and generally speaking, what, what, what in your experience of having done this many times, what, what is the response of the person getting the energy back? It's usually pretty minimal, if at all, actually. Um, the fr- oh. My favorite, you know, analogy really is it's, it's the proverbial drop in the ocean. Um, you know, they're already, they've already got something. You have a piece of what they've, they have and they need it back. There's the, sometimes it's really hard to really get that. You're like, I don't want to give that back. I don't what's going to happen to them. You know, their soul requires it. They're actually not whole. The other person is not whole if you are carrying something of theirs. So you're actually giving them a blessing 
by giving it back. So, Dave, this this is so important because, again, in the work that I'm doing, I'm realizing that we have no right, actually, Mm -hmm. to carry that person's energy because we need – every single person needs to have the opportunity to fulfill their destiny fully and totally. Yes, beautifully put. And their soul has a destiny, and it's going to happen with or without you, but it's going to happen quicker <laughs> doing <Right>. these steps. <laughs> so, so again, sometimes people suggest that, that what we're talking about ultimately is, is selfish in the sense that we're saying, well, actually, I'm now beginning to realize that my real responsibility is just to myself. Yeah, there is the, the fear of being seen as selfish and, you know, best teachers that I've listened to say selfish is okay. And I like to add in a little caveat, like it's not okay at someone else's expense necessarily. You know, there's, there's a thin line and maybe, you know, with, with conscious awareness, uh, with total presence, you always know what to do. So that's another challenge is to get into that place. You always know what to take on or what not to take on and what you can take on or should take on. Um, but that doesn't happen when you're coming from your old patterns that say I'm responsible for X person's blank. Um, but it comes with conscious awareness. Am I my pattern or am I my conscious awareness? That's a really powerful question. I'd recommend all your listeners to really ask themselves before they do anything. You know, what is driving this behavior? Am I doing this to get love? Am I get, doing this to be liked? Am I doing this to be seen as nice? You know, if I don't want to do something and I do it anyway, I'm creating a misalignment. I'm creating constricted energy, which is going to end up in um, pain and illness. You know? So paying attention to this, these emotional triggers and our immediate reaction to that as opposed to being able to step back and recognize what it is mindfully and, and, and bring our bigger awareness into the picture. That's a big key, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. And someone asked me this yesterday, and it, it can't, you know, it was a really interesting conversation um, with a client. She said, you know, um, I'm going to put this. Um, <laughs> go back a second. I lost, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was just talking about the emotional triggers and a mindfulness and being right. aware that it is an emotional trigger. Right. Yeah. So she was saying, um, you know, when are you done? And I was like, you're never done. You're always on the path. And she said, when am I done with this pattern? I said, you're never done with a pattern. Like all the, you know, there's so much new age talk about like releasing blocks and, you know, all these kind of phrases going around. The reality is if there's some sort of addiction, and I know it's a strong word, but there's an addiction to being a certain way. And you know it's addiction because you can't let go of it very quickly. My belief is that addiction is always there whether it's to being a healer or to smoking cigarettes, the, the, the craving is always there, somewhere in the body. It's not something that just vanishes. The idea is with presence and mindfulness, you can then listen to it and say, am I my pattern? Am I, my, am I this addiction or not? I think the, the pressure that we put on ourselves to clear a block fully and totally creates more resistance. It's, it's an interesting paradox it creates more more resistance. So if someone has an addiction to being seen as a really powerful healer, now granted, on the outside, it looks really good. It's helping a lot of people, and it's a beautiful thing. But if they're doing it from their own weakened place to get attention or love or acceptance or money, you know, those are okay, but they're not going to get the best results. But if they're doing it from a place of unconditional love, that's where the magic happens. So 
I think transformation only happens with unconditional love, but I think putting pressure on ourselves to be done with something forever is a really unnecessary and sometimes brutal pressure to put on people. So I say, you know, just embrace what's there and ask yourself consistently until it becomes a habit, you know, until the new way of being becomes a habit. You have to ask yourself, am I my pattern or am I my conscious awareness? Am I my highest, am I the highest self or am I this, you know, low vibration, record spinning, have to help, have to be seen this way, have to look good, have to speak well, have to smell good, whatever it is, <laughs> you know. So it's, it's a pretty powerful um, awareness, I think, and, you know, I don't know if we're doing it justice in this short period of time, but, you know, if we can light up a couple of people to think about this, I think we're doing a good thing. And, you know, likewise, you know, just reach out to myself or Peter for more uh, guidance on that because this is big, this is huge. And, um, you know, we're in a serious time right now. We need all the light workers to be at their best. And, you know, if I or Peter can help, I encourage any of you to reach out and, uh, you know, do what's necessary. As the phrase goes, whatever it takes. Well, Dave, that's brought us beautifully to the end of the show. I really, really appreciate your time today. I'm sure we've touched more than a couple of listeners today and got people thinking. And uh, DaveMarkowitz.com is the website for Dave where you can find his books and his work. Dave, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our time together again. Thank you, Peter. Wow, great show. I hope you've really enjoyed it and lots to think about, lots to to be in, in terms of your awareness. And also, as, as Dave was suggesting, being kind to ourselves when we do not quite live up to what we hope to be doing all the time. It's very, very important to love ourselves deeply and genuinely at this really wonderful and at the same time challenging time on the planet. As I mentioned earlier, my guest next week is Dr. Amit Goswami. We'll be talking about his new book, which is not yet out on March 1st. A quantum creativity and he is a brilliant quantum physicist who is making that information accessible to us so that we can be at the center the heart of our own quantum creations i hope you've enjoyed today's show with dave markowitz have a great week it's peter tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.